good singing. Yeah, yeah, great job. And I know this has uh, been rapid fire. Amen. That's uh, a lot of information. Hopefully it's starting to, the repetitive is starting to, to kind of sink in. Turn it on. That might help. Okay, we're there. And in the last, uh, last two lessons, we uh, discussed the Holy Spirit at great length, uh, giving scores and scores of scriptures. And there are so many, that's why I decided to make the board a term paper, uh, so you have it, rather than making a copy and passing it out. Uh, so if you need it, snap a picture and find out where I'm a heretic, amen. But uh, the last two lessons, it showed you uh, that God the Holy Spirit's a person. And when we say God the Holy Spirit, we mean the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, a manifestation of the Trinity, um, now, what we want to look at today is we want to look at his deity. We want to look at his deity. And that means that he is God. He is God. Uh, so when we talk about the deity of Jesus Christ, what we're preaching and explaining and expositing is that Jesus Christ is God. Amen. So when we talk about the deity of the Holy Spirit, what we're saying through Scripture is that the Holy Spirit is God. That's deity. All right. And uh, got to look at a couple of things here. First of all, that uh, number one, the Holy Spirit is divine because he possesses divine attributes. And then uh, the Holy Spirit does things that only God can do. That's the second thing we'll look at. And the third thing is the scriptures make very strong statements about the deity uh, of the Holy Ghost there. So uh, did we pray? We didn't pray. Well, I'm just stripping my gears here. We're getting to go ahead. Chuck, why don't you pray and ask the Lord for help in the teaching tonight. Amen. Now in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, I know most of you know these references, but the Bible tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Of course, you know this. Doctrine is the first application of Scripture. As we preached this morning, sound doctrine is not just a hobby horse, but it's something that not only preachers are commanded to preach to the hearers, but the Christian is commanded to live. Uh, sound doctrine consists of sound speech, which consists and built upon Sound words. So when we uh, study the deity of the Holy Spirit, it's not because we're bored and we don't have anything better to do, but because if we're going to walk in love and we're going to walk the way God wants us to do, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, then we have to be willing to walk rooted and built up in Him. That's verse 7. And established in the faith. That's verse 7. And abounding therewith in thanksgiving. So how we walk is very important, and part of our walk is learning how to be established in the faith through sound doctrine. So that's why we do what we do. Uh, we could tell stories and preach about that stuff, and that's great. But the first thing here, the Holy Spirit is divine because He possesses divine attributes. That's the first one to look at. So number one, He's eternal. He is eternal. That's a divine attribute of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, the Bible says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit 
capital S-P-I-R-I-T, offered himself without spot to God, the eternal spirit. We can only have eternal life by receiving the eternal spirit. Uh, not only is he eternal, but number two, the Holy Spirit, uh, furthermore, he is omnipresent. That means he's, every, uh, he's all present. He's everywhere all the time. Everywhere all the time. David says in Psalm 139, 7 to 8, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. <laughs> I guess he's everywhere. David said you can't run from him. Uh, David admitted at the start that if he made his bed in hell, the Spirit of the Lord would still be manifest there in power, wrath, and judgments. So therefore, the, uh, the Holy Spirit, he is omnipresent. He's everywhere and all the time. So therefore, we know the Holy Spirit is a divine person because he does things that only God can do. Uh, number three, the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. Big words, that's all right. It just means he's all-powerful. And uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. He's all-powerful. Not only that, but you know in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That's pretty powerful. He's all-powerful. In Job 26, verse 13, we read this. By His Spirit, that's God's Spirit, He hath garnished the heavens. So when you look around you tonight, you look at the moon, the stars, the galaxies, the nebula, and the star clusters. They were all created by the Holy Spirit of God. He's omnipotent. Now, this is the work of someone who's divine. This is not the work of an urge or a demi-urge. And we'll get into that pitfall at the end there. That's the Arian heresy. The Arian heresy says there's two, there's two gods. There's God the Father and another created God, a lesser God. And the Holy Spirit's just some kind of force, some kind of demiurge, which of course was proposed way back uh, uh, at the turn of the century, or uh, end of the 1800s by Charles Taz Russell, further by uh, Judge Rutherford. And that thing was, uh, was solidified off of a gross corruption of the ASV of 1901, John chapter 1, verse 18. But we won't get off into that quite yet. There's no chance at all that any urge or demiurge or semi-god or devil created uh, all these things, let alone a God-defying system of evolution. We're saying that the Holy Spirit is God and He was active. The truth is we're not evolving at all. We're devolving. Uh, I believe in the scientific fact of devolution. Devolution. Amen. That aligns itself with the third law of thermodynamics. You say, what is that? Oh, just entropy in a closed system. What does that mean? Things are wearing out. The sun's cooling off. The resources are being used up. You say, well, uh, uh, that's just your left-wing rhetoric. Is it really? How about the fact that your body's wearing out? How about the fact that your taxes keep going? She laughed at that one. <laughs> She's like, yeah, look at yourself. You're wearing out. <laughs> Your body, I, look, I know some of this is repetition, but you need to be faced with it. You need to reckon it because you're faced every day with, we're getting better, we're getting better. Look at the improvements we made. All you got to do is work in education. Amen, sister, for just a little bit. We are not getting better. We are getting worse. 400 years ago, our forefathers were absolute geniuses, and compared to the federal school system today, we are producing dunces without the pointy hats. We are devolving downward, not progressing upward. 
which is provable. Now listen, you can prove it in music, you can prove it in art, you can prove it in literature, you can prove it in trying to grow crops, you can prove it in trying to go pay your taxes. They about kill you. You can, you can prove it by going to the grocery store and going to the doctor. So what you see around you, this earth and all the heavens, is the work of someone divine. As a matter of fact, the Lord says in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 11, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. You see that? Jeremiah nailed it. He said, these lesser gods, they didn't make nothing. All they made was a mess. Uh, number four, furthermore, the Holy Spirit is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He's all-knowing. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, it says, The Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. He's omnipotent, having all power. He's omniscient, knowing all things. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. Jesus said in John 14, 26, He said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, He shall teach you all things. And again, finally, in John chapter 16, verse 13, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Isn't that interesting? He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. Now that, but look at number five. He's truth. Amen? He is truth. First John chapter 5, verse 6. What a fantastic verse. I don't know how many times I read it, but it just simply says, The Spirit is truth. I know a, cur a, ver a curse. I know a verse a very akin to that. John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. Isn't that interesting that the Holy Spirit also is truth? That's because He's God. That's the deity of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 5, 6, it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20, we covered that verse a few times. We read, Thou gavest also thy good Spirit to instruct thee. The Holy Spirit then possesses divine attributes and these attributes can only be ascribed to God the Father. Consider it just for a minute. Not even Jesus Christ, the man, on his earthly life was omnipresent as a man. Jesus, the man, was not omnipresent. As a matter of fact, unless he exercises deity, Jesus Christ, the Lord's Christ, he was not even omniscient because in Matthew 24, 36, he says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man but my Father only. You think Jesus Christ knows the day? Sure he does. But does Jesus the man know the day? Absolutely not. You see how when you read your Bible, you look at that thing and you say, how in the world? I thought Jesus knew everything. Jesus the man didn't know everything, but unless he exercised his deity as the second person of the Godhead, he wouldn't know. Therefore, this uh, mistake of thinking that the Father is Jesus and the Son is Jesus and the Holy Spirit is Jesus... That's this group over here, Jesus-only movement, which, which you and I wouldn't know what the Jesus movement is because that went through the 60s and the 80s. What's that? Well, it produced a bunch of rotten, bad fruit. And the major ones are Calvary Chapel, Hope Chapel, all your vineyard churches, and your Victory Outreach. That's just four major ones. And, of course, they keep reproducing and having bastard children all the way down through that thing. And here's, we'll go over that in just a little bit. But that's where that started. Now the Holy Spirit has the attributes of God the Father. Jesus Christ did not have all these attributes as a man. 
as a member of the Trinity, yes. But the man Christ Jesus, unless he exercises deity, he suffered, he bled, he thirsted, he hungered, and was exhausted just like you and I. He needed to sleep. We find him sleeping in a boat. You find him being hungry. You find him asking for water. You find him on the cross saying, I thirst. That's Jesus the man. Now next, I want you to see this in looking at his deity. The Holy Spirit does things that only God can do. Only God can do the second listing under the deity of the Holy Spirit. First of all, you see that thing number one? He's active in creation. Now some of this ought to be coming real familiar with you. Job chapter 33 verse 4, the Bible says, The Spirit of God hath made me. The Spirit of God hath made me. And in Psalm 104 verse 30, David said, Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created. And of course, you know, uh, what is it? I don't think I wrote it up there. But over in Genesis chapter 1, he's active in creation that he's over upon the face of the waters. You can find him, you can find the Holy Spirit there active at creation all the time. Not only that, but number two, the Holy Ghost, he's active in salvation. Active in salvation. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 says, You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You see that? The Holy Spirit is active in creation. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The Spirit assists in justification. Of course, you know Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, the Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. He's active in the sealing process. The day you got saved, the Holy Spirit was there and went, You're sealed, and you're sealed until the day of redemption, where you get your new body, and you no longer need to be sealed. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit does things that only God can do, and He's active in salvation. Number three, also the Holy Spirit, He must be God, because why? Because He gives life, and only God can give life. The Holy Spirit gives life. John chapter 6, verse 63, the Bible said, Jesus said, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. you got to remember that. It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. Well, isn't that interesting? Because if you turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Jesus Christ is believed on and trusted by the believer, and then he quickens the believer through the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that a blessing? I know we're going kind of quick, but this stuff is, this stuff is fantastic. <laughs> this is a blessing to see the doctrine of the Holy Spirit unraveled, peeled back like an onion. He's active in creation. He's active in salvation. He gives life. He's right there, and which leads us to number four. He is the author of the new birth. Author of the new birth. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. If your first fleshy birth of water, in your first fleshy birth of water, you are born of the flesh. And you can't be born again until you're born again by the Holy Ghost. Regeneration, therefore, is the work of the Holy Spirit. Regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you number five. The Holy Spirit was active in the inspiration of, and prophecy of the Scriptures. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You see it? 
He's active in the inspiration of scriptures. That's a blessing. He's the author of scripture. He's active in the inspiration of scripture. He's the interpreter of scripture. Amen. So when you read your Bible, you ask the Lord to give you wisdom. You ask him to fill him with your spirit. And you commune with the Holy Ghost. He sure is a friend. And he'll help you understand that book. The Bible says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. And wherever you find light in the Bible, you'll find the Holy Spirit nearby. He's the author of the new birth. He's active in the inspiration of scriptures. And he's in the world today. And he's working. Isn't that interesting? You know, one of the reasons why you know a child of God should work for the Lord Jesus Christ and should serve the Lord through the local church the way it was intended to, because even the Holy Spirit, which is in you and is of God, He's in the world today working, reproving men of righteousness, sin, and judgment to come. Look at John chapter 16. Here's a good verse just to put it back in third gear just a little bit and talk about the work, not too in-depth, but just show you real briefly what I believe you already know the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's only the work that God can do. John chapter 16, verse 8, the Bible says, And when He is come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on Me. Of righteousness, because I go to My Father and you see Me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judge. And so here we learn the job of the Holy Spirit is to convince men of the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. Now listen, when you see men out in the world, we know that the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And yes, when you show men the law, you can show them their sins and transgressions, how they're against God. And yes, God will use that law to bring them to Christ. But the sin that the Holy Ghost is trying to convict lost men of is the sin of rejecting Christ. You deal with the lost man, you don't deal with the lost man because he smokes cigarettes or drinks beer or does something wicked with his mouth or his body or is uh, involved in things that are maybe you wouldn't be involved in. You deal with him on his sins, but you deal with him on his soul because the major sin is that of rejecting Jesus Christ. And to convince them that there's only one man that is righteous, and that's not you, and that's not your religious leader, but it's Jesus Christ. You say, why? Because he rose from the dead and went to the Father. And the Holy Spirit is there to convince the world of judgment. You say, why? Why judgment? Isn't that an interesting verse of judgment? Because the devil was judged at Calvary. And you know what the Holy Spirit's work in this world is? He's going to every lost man say, judgment's coming. We judge the devil and you're next. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. And he uses the Christian to do it. He uses the Christian's testimony. He used the Christian's life. He used the Christian's mouth. And if he opens his mouth the way he should, the Holy Spirit therefore can minister and convict this world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment to come. Let's look at this one more time. Number one, again, the first thing the Holy Spirit convinces a man is the sin of rejecting a perfect man. You know why people are lost and going to hell right now? It's not because they're bad people. <laughs> even though there's none that doeth good, no, not one, it's because they're rejecting Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is there to convince a man and convict him of the fact that every one of his dead religious leaders did not come up from the grave. It is the Holy Spirit in the world today who convinces men of the dirty, blasphemous, rotten, hellish, damnable sin of following dead men. Ain't that something? Are you a Roman Catholic tonight? And you're following a dead woman you're following Mary. She's dead. You say, no, she, uh, she's the co-mediatrix. No, she ain't. She's dead. 
She needed a savior. All right, number two, it's his job to show you that only one man rose from the dead and went back to the Father. Therefore, that man is righteous, and you are unrighteous, and everyone you are following is unrighteous. And finally, number three, the Holy Spirit is in the world today to convince the sinner that there's judgment for him and hell for him because his father, the devil, has been judged. You know what the Lord told the religious leaders in John 8, 44? Of course you do. He said, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. The devil is called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And you know what? All the kingdoms, listen now, all the kingdoms of this world were given to the devil in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. You ever stop and consider that? You ever stop and consider the course of this world? You ever stop and think of the procedures of this world? Well, you know, it's all in the Lord's hand. I understand in the broadest sense picture of the world, everything is in God's hands, but he gave this world to the devil. Now, I'll get myself in a heap of trouble, but I don't care. You really think your vote matters? If you want to vote, vote. But you're voting for, no, no matter what side of the fence you're voting for, you're voting for someone controlled by the devil. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Yes, but we have to help yourself. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 8. All the kingdoms of this world were given to the devil. And he offered him to Jesus Christ. He offered him to Jesus the man. He said, these are all yours. They're in my hands if you worship me. So think about it. When a preacher stands on a street corner, when you stand on a street corner, and you give somebody a track, and that track says the Pope can't save you, Mojave can't save you, Mary can't save you, the Hindus can't save you, the Mormons can't save you, the JWs can't save you. You know what you're doing? You're doing the work of the Godhead. You are doing the work of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's working through you. My, now I'll tell you what, when you get a hold of that, the lights come on. That's a blessing. You are doing exactly what God intended you to do. And the reason men resent it is because they're against God, and God's against them. And again, that's not my opinion or my judgment. That's the clear-cut statement of John 3:36, which says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Amen? He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Well, I just think you need to have a much more loving approach. You're going to hell. I really don't want you to. But you're going to hell because you reject Jesus Christ Paid the price for your sin, and you won't receive it. Ah, oh, okay. Now, coming thirdly in our systematic study here, the scriptures make some very strong statements about the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you what, we read through that like uh, Machine Gun Kelly there, but that's some good stuff right there. I'm, I might be a little bit whacked and jacked, but that stuff excites me to see everything that the Holy Spirit does. When we get to this part right here, the scripture makes some very strong statements about the Holy Spirit concerning the Godhead. And number one, first of all, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, I want you to look at that. I want to slow down just a little bit and grab a couple of these things and see if we can put them together and see this interesting uh, thing that the Bible says very succinctly in the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, I want you to see the first part of this verse. It says, I hear... The voice of the Lord saying. You see that? I'll let you look at it. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. 
I heard the voice of the Lord saying. All right, you got a hold of that, right? Isaiah chapter 6. Now go to Acts chapter 28 and verse 25. I want you to see this. Now Isaiah, uh, Isaiah says, I heard the voice of who? The Lord, right? You grab a hold of that thing. And over here in Acts chapter 28, verse 25, Paul is referring to Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. And he says, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet. You see that? Man, I tell you what, if that ain't telling you the Holy Spirit's God is, I'll throw my Bible out and get another one. So Paul identifies in the New Testament the Lord as the Holy Ghost. You see the just phenomenal and amazing uh, unity of the Holy Spirit as God. Now, I want you to notice those two verses, you better hang on to and make a note. But in the book of Acts, when Agabus, the prophet, is prophesying, that Agabus doesn't say, thus saith the Lord, which is a time-told saying phrase that happens over 200 times throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, thus saith the Lord. Don't you say, all the way through the Old Testament, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. You know what Agabus says? He says, look at Acts chapter 21, verse 11. Instead of saying, uh, uh, thus saith the Lord, and notice what he says in Acts 21, 11. We read this, thus saith the Holy Ghost. You see it? That's a blessing. And when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owned the girdle and shall deliver him in the hands of the Gentile. And uh, that's the first thing we see there. Uh, number one there, we see that, uh, the, that the Lord is the Holy Ghost. Another way that you can look at this, uh, number two, the Holy Spirit is divine. He's the third person of the Trinity. Now, I know that sounds easy and fundamental, but these verses that I have here show you that He is divine, and He is the third person of the Godhead. Look at Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Now, most of you are guilty of just believing your Bible. Amen? You believe it, and, uh, and I believe it, and that's what you ought to do with it. I was reading my Bible this week. And Paul got to that thing that he was praying, I think it was Colossians, about the acknowledgement of the mystery. And I said, look at that. Look at that. The, whole, the King James Bible is always right because when you get to mysteries in the Bible, you can't understand it. You know what he says? I'm praying that you at least acknowledge that they exist. And a lot of this stuff, when you're dealing with the Trinity, you just got to believe it. You say, explain it. You can only go so far. But the Holy Spirit's divine. In Acts chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, I want you to see the Holy Spirit's called God. Holy Spirit is called God. In Acts chapter 5, Peter told Ananias and Sapphira, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? In verse 3, you see it? You know the story. Uh, pe people preach it all the time. Good preaching, good story. But look, he turns right around in verse 5. He said, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto... You see that? In verse 5, the Holy Spirit is God. You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is called God. Of course, when you bring these things out, uh, especially in conversations at the workplace or with friends that you have, it is most embarrassing for charismatics in America. And the charismatics today think uh, these things, uh, think that the Holy Ghost is something extra that God gives you after you get saved. That ain't how it works. You get the Holy Spirit when you get saved. 
you don't get part of being saved and then part later and then an additional blessing and all that baloney. And they believe that, uh, that uh, after you get the Spirit, uh, you get the Spirit to give you a feeling and some gifts. As we said, you cannot have God without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is God. You see why you can't get God and then the Holy Spirit later? Because when you got one, you got all three. <laughs> the Spirit, uh, spoken of by the charismatic then, if they're getting, let's, take, let's go ahead and believe then just for 30 seconds. And let's say, okay, I believe you got something after you got saved. That Spirit's not a Holy Spirit. That thing's an unholy Spirit. I believe you got something, but you didn't get a Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I want you to notice this. That uh, that's not the Holy Spirit of the Bible at all. The Holy Spirit of the Bible is the third person, the Godhead. And this thing is reiterated over and over and over. One, two, three, four, five. We got six times up there. We can go about 16 more, but we won't. Notice the Divine Trinity in Matthew 28. The Divine Trinity in Matthew 28, baptizing them. Matthew 28, 19, you're baptizing them in the name singular of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Well, you know this. But the name isn't the name of Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is not Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of the Lord, or the Spirit, or the Comforter. Jesus is not the name of the Father. The name of the Father is God Almighty, like we went over last week. Almighty God, the Lord and Lord God. His name is Jehovah and Jah. The name of the Father is not Jesus Christ, but he said, in the name of. The name of the Father is the Lord, the Lord. The name of the Son is the Lord, and the name of the Holy Ghost is Lord. Look at Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Now, this is what you call spiritual exercise. And uh, hopefully and prayerfully, we can let in as much light as we can tonight. And you guys can take the rest of the week to uh, deal with the fallout. <laughs> Acts chapter 28. The name of the Holy Ghost is the Lord. 28, 25 to 27. Bible says, and when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of the people is wax gross, and their ears is dull of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their ears, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and they'll hear it. The name of the Holy Ghost is the Lord. Now here's one, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, talking about the name of the Lord. The Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. And we've said this before, but the people who go around talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and bragging about the Holy Spirit, and always talking about the Spirit, the boys and I went down to Penny's and got some nicer duds to go downstate with, and there's a color boy there, and he just spoke nothing about the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, and when was your last, uh, you know, uh, experience with the Spirit? And, and uh, when, did, when did you receive the initial evidence of speaking in tongues? And when was the last time you had this great feeling, the Spirit, the Spirit? And that's just a sign that someone doesn't know the Holy Spirit at all. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17, the Bible says, Now the Lord is... That spirit, you see it? That's the deity, the Lord. That's another name for God. And that Lord is the spirit. 
So this marks off the difference between Bible-believing, born-again Christians who believe the Word of God and who knows the Word of God rooted and grounded in the faith and the charismatic person who never knows whether he's coming or going or how he's got where he's at. Now listen, if you get the Trinity screwed up, you get the whole Bible screwed up. That's why we're taking our time to do this. Uh, Lord put it on my mind and heart uh, because uh, I got to thinking about the thing and I thought I knew a good deal about the Holy Spirit until I started to study it again. I said, I don't know much as thing as I thought I did. You get the Trinity messed up, you'll be way off of, you'll be way off the charts. You'll turn into either Jehovah Witness because you think the Baptists are too lazy. That's the left. Or you'll be one of these charismatic uh, charismaniacs down here in the Jesus Only movement that breaks off in all these little, uh, you know, little rotten charismatic groups down here. They're, they're a dime a dozen. They're everywhere you go. And you take each one of those that I broke down and each one of them produces at least 24 others. And they all believe the same thing. You say, what do they believe? Well, first of all, they're all charismatic in doctrine. They're all dependent upon CCM music. The hymns are out. The praise and worship bands are in. They rely on signs, wonders, healings, most of them tongues. And they're all messed up where? The Trinity. That's their main mess up. You see how that, that'll throw a man off? You get messed up on the Trinity, you'll be in a charismatic church. You say, that's awful hard. I didn't, I didn't write it. All you got to do is follow the, the seeds of the fruit. And the other side, the more conservative, the more intellectual side, if you would call it that, this is the intellectual side, this is the emotional side, left and right. You see it? And the intellectual side comes from a mistranslation of the ASV of 1901, John chapter 1, verse 18, the two pitfalls I got down here. And what happens in 1901, uh, Rutherford picked that up, and Chaz Tarl, uh, Russell of the JWs later here, and they followed the New World Translation of 61, and now they follow the New Living Translation of 96. And that's your Jehovah's false witnesses of today. Say, where are they messed up? The Trinity. That's why we're, that's why we're throwing it out there. You mess up the Trinity, you're going to go that direction or you're going to go that direction. That's why it's important. God, help us to understand the Trinity better. Help us to believe it and not get the thing out of whack left or get the thing out of whack right. You see, the thing about balance in the Christian life is not just about dress standards and music and all that stuff, all the pants, pork, hair, and hemorrhoids or hemlines, but it's about doctrinal matters too. The balance is not just practical living. Does it make any sense tonight? The balance has to be in following sound doctrine to a T and where people don't want to be your friends about it, you, you cry a little bit and you walk back on down the road and it's going to be all right. All right? If you get messed up on the Trinity, you get the whole Bible messed up. Consider this, the Father is one person with certain attributes, titles, names, and functions. The Son is another person with certain names, titles, attributes, and functions. And the Holy Spirit is another person with certain names, titles, attributes, and functions. Yet the three persons are one God, and His name is the Lord. You say, boy, that's a lot to swallow. Sure is. That's why you got to believe it. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, we read, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. That's one of the strongest verses on the Trinity. Acts 13, 4. In John chapter 14, verse 16, the Bible says, And I, 
there's God the Son. We'll pray the Father, there's God the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. There's God the Holy Spirit. You see it? There's a whole trinity showing up there. And when you find a bunch of people who think that when they received Jesus Christ, they got some spirit, and later on when they got sanctified, they got the Holy Ghost, you're dealing with people who have denied the triune Godhead, that second group of people right there, messed up on the trinity. The Holy Spirit is the Lord. You cannot receive the Lord without receiving the Holy Spirit, and you cannot receive the Holy Spirit without receiving the Lord. I think you're just going to have to come to the conclusion if you receive something after salvation, you didn't get the truth, you got some unholy truth. Well, so here it is. We come to the two great pitfalls at the bottom here. Two great pitfalls, once again, for the gullible, lazy Christian. You say, why do you say that? Because the tendency for me, I don't know about you, and I love to study, but the tendency for me is to be lazy. I think that's why God called me to be a pastor. Because if he wouldn't have called me to be a pastor, I'd be out in the woods. I'd be out in the job 16, 18 hours a day. Why? Lazy, man. You say, well, I'm not that way. Well, you're way far ahead of me. But the lazy Christian will get hung up in that pitfall. The lazy Christian that won't read their Bible and the lazy Christian that won't study their Bible and the lazy Christian who won't continually further educate himself about the Bible is going to fall prey if he's not careful. That Arian heresy, the left side of the Trinity, John 1.18. Like I said, the modern day JWs, they believe in a God, a God and a lesser God and then the Holy Spirit is just signed a sign a semi-urge or demi-urge or pressure or force. And then you've got the Jesus-only movement there, and they believe that it's only Jesus. The Father is Jesus, the Son is Jesus, and the Spirit's Jesus, 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 to which we say Jesus. <coughs> so two pitfalls that you got to watch out for. Am I worried that anyone here sitting tonight is going to fall on that? Probably not, but hopefully this will bolster your faith. This will bolster your, your desire to run these verses. There's a lot we didn't put in here. Amen. You realize in three lessons you've had over 100 verses of Scripture that you can now go back to. I didn't write these lessons out. Man, these are a blessing. This is the work of a couple old preachers. And you now have over 100 verses of Scripture showing you succinctly that the Holy Spirit is a person, He has emotions, He has feelings, he's a, he's a member of the Godhead, and He is God. He has a personality, He can be tempted, He can be tried, He can grieve. And this one, uh, as we draw to the close of this thing, you've got to watch out. And it's important to get the Trinity right. It's important to get the Trinity right. Well, what about the Jesus-only people? Well, that Jesus-only people, like we said, came about in 1960 to 1980. And for many, many years, I've heard about the Jesus-only movement. How many of you all have ever heard of that? But you know what? There's no Jesus-only movement around here, is there? That's because that movement has passed and it's produced its children. That's why I wrote those up there. You take those four churches like there, like I said, those four movements, those were products, those were children, those were the productions of that movement, the Jesus-only movement, and like I said, from each one of those, Calvary Chapel, Victory Outreach, Hope Chapel, and the Vineyard Churches, not to be mistaken with Brother Vineyard in Oklahoma. My wife had to straighten me out on that last night. Glad she did. But uh, there's a group of churches. That's funny. I don't know everything, even though I pretend, you know. <laughs> but those four right there, they produced another at least two dozen movements in and of themselves. And that's, not, that's a... 
Say, so how far? It's like Alice in Wonderland. How far down you go down the rabbit hole? But the, the, the weary thing about that is all that stuff you see on TBN, on TCT, and in your hometown is where the majority of people go to church. Is it not? That's the church of the 7-Eleven coffee bar. That's the church of the bouncy ball on the screen. That's the church of the, you know, everyone's up there and they're on the bongos, right? Those are the churches that have gotten rid of the hymn books. That is the Jesus-only movement. You say, what's the fundamental? They're just worldly. They're weak. No, they're screwed up on the Trinity. The source of that thing is doctrinal, which produces a practical bastard seed. All right, so you pull those groups off on the right wing, and then you try to, the Jesus-only movement that produced those groups there, they say there's no distinction at all in the Godhead. That's the problem. But they say the Father's name is Jesus, the Son's name is Jesus. Uh, well, I was at uh, Brother uh, Lake's church, and he's a, he's a good preacher. He's a good man, been preaching for 35, going probably close to 40 years, at least 35. And uh, when I was working for the ice cream company, I'd go down and sit in his church on Wednesday night because I couldn't make it back down there in Clio. And I remember sitting there in downtown Flint, man, it's, it's what it is. I'm sitting there, and there's this guy behind me. And he starts singing, I don't know, Great is Thy Faithfulness, some hymn, you know, some good hymn. And there's this guy going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And just have someone chant Jesus, every, every, whatever hair I had was standing up on the back of my neck. And I turned around, I'm like, will you shut up? Yes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Brother, uh, Brother Lake comes up to me and goes, Brother Jeremy, would you help this kind gentleman out of the church? <laughs> so I helped him throw the guy out, man. He's full of the devil. And he wanted to fight me and fight the preacher and made a big scene and all that. You see that is? It's another spirit. Jesus, Jesus. When you and I talk about Jesus, we don't necessarily talk Jesus. A Christian who knows the Lord talks about the Lord or the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't go around, well, we just want to meet with Jesus today. Jesus was the man. I want to meet with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that shows his uh, deity. Well, they'll mess you up on that thing. And uh, they're messed up on quite a bit. But the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost then are three separate persons. Listen now, I'm almost out of this thing. Three separate personalities with mutual relations due to them, speaking to one another, recognizing each other, and sharing certain divine attributes, but each has a specific work. This is the Bible teaching on the deity of the Holy Spirit. It can be checked out by carefully uh, checking out the last hundred references we put on the board. And uh, approximately 100 verses of Scripture showing you over and over again that the Holy Ghost is a person. He's a member of the Godhead. He's fully God and yet is a separate person of the Godhead. He has separate works, attributes, and titles which are His alone and are not shared with the Son and not shared with the Father. He said, I don't understand how this such a thing could be. No unsaved man could ever understand because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The Bible says they're foolishness unto him for they're spiritually discerned. That's 1 Corinthians 2.14. You say, well, I don't think there's a way I could really understand how God could divide himself into three parts but manifest three different ways at the same time. I can't either, but that's the point. He does. Just because you can't understand it doesn't mean it ain't right. No Christian will ever get beyond, I want you to get a hold of this tonight. No Christian will ever get beyond 
the freshman level of Bible study unless he recognizes the absolute biblical manifest truth from Genesis to Revelation that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit make up one God and one Lord, but that God and the Lord can manifest himself in three different ways as a person through God the Son, as a spirit through God the Holy Ghost, and as a soul through God the Father. And since, of course, since man was made in the image of God at the beginning, man was made with a body, a soul, and a spirit. When a man gets saved, his spirit is born again. His soul is cut loose from his body, circumcised inside by the regenerating, circumcising power of the Holy Spirit, and he is then sealed by the Holy Spirit into the day of redemption. And that, dear friend, concludes our third lesson on pneumatology. The deity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Class dismissed. All right, why don't you stand? We'll be dismissed in order of prayer.